Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside here on the Gridcoin Discord server. It's another Friday, it's another 3.30pm and we're going to be introducing the multi-currency economy and Gridcoin, what it all means. So stick around through the news. Also join us every Friday at 3.30pm Eastern where there's a live, lively discussion in the chat. You're also welcome to join with your mic uh, for the recording if you want. If you don't, just sit around and listen to me talk about nonsense. News, news, news. The Psydoc poll has ended and it was not validated. So I expect that poll to be remade once Psydoc uh, is ready to be whitelisted. We can't just go throwing projects on the whitelist when they're not ready. That doesn't sound like a contract to me. Other news, the 2021 Boink Workshop is underway. The first uh, meeting, I suppose, it's a virtual workshop. So the first gathering on the internet was on Wednesday. I could not make it, so I can't give you a rundown. But if you join us for the Boink Radio podcast right after this, Delta will be filling us in. Uh, the next uh, instance of the meeting is next Wednesday, the 21st. Uh, and the last instance, the last meetup will be Wednesday, the 28th. Uh, the next one, I think, has to do with the technology. And then the last one has to do with community. If you want more info, go to boinkworkshop.org and read up. I think that's all the news. Coinbase IPO, I can, there's no broader implications, ultimately. <laughs> it's just another shitcoin. No, it's, a, it's an IPO in a bull market. It's what you do. All right, so intro to Gridcoin. Let's talk about multi-currency economies, because that's what you're interested in, right? Well, what the heck? You're already in one. You know, you've got the USD, you've got the Euro, you've got the uh, South African Rand. Maybe you've heard about that one. You've got the Turkish Lira. That one's been in the news recently. You've got the Australian, I'm just going to say Aussie. Uh, you've got all these different currencies around the world interacting with one another. That's a multi-currency economy. But that economy, that network, that global network was built back when nations barely talked to each other by today's standards. There was no internet. There were barely boats. There weren't trains. You know, it was a hard knock life, folks, back then. I think uh, that was back when there were outhouses. Can you imagine that? Anyway, that whole system is built on the nation system. All those currencies are dependent on sovereign nations guaranteeing that that debt will be it is good, essentially. And that guarantee generally comes in economic contracts or through military might. Uh, it's also enforced and uh, controlled by a small group of people. Each sovereign nation has a group of people that control the central bank or control the financial programs. The, the, the Congress, for example, in the U.S., the Congress will make a program that asks for money, and then the Congress decides where that money goes. And they ask for money from the central bank, who then decides to print money for other reasons, too. They decide to buy junk bonds. They decide to peg an interest rate wherever they want, whenever they want, because of some arbitrary thought they had. And it's it's very frustrating if uh, you pay attention to this stuff to listen to the Fed state their goals and what will make them raise interest rates or low interest, lower interest rates, because they generally just say nothing. They just say whenever we feel like it. Uh, so <laughs> Rajan brings up, he's just waiting for some countries to default. That's an interesting interesting point because a lot of times these nations will take out so much debt that the way they have to get out of it is to inflate the currency uh, and so their debt becomes of zero value. So the, 
the, these nation systems worked for when they worked, when they were built. They were built in a specific context and it worked perfectly fine. There was no better way to do things. Uh, these closed systems of elites that run things were the people who knew how to run things at that time. Well, now we have the internet. Now we have greater knowledge spread across more people. We have open knowledge principles. We have Wikipedia. Who would have thought? <laughs> we have uh, universities where you can go and just take classes and you don't need to actually be enrolled. Uh, I actually just went and sat at Columbia once and just sat in lectures. Like, no one stopped me. What? What? <laughs> so, uh, but there are also better ways to learn things than going to just Columbia and sitting in lecture halls. Uh, but because of this, because there are more people with more knowledge and more access to knowledge, uh, these systems that are open were launched. Open source is the most popular one where people will create a product and put it out on the internet for other people to study and learn from and also manipulate and change. And uh, through that process, we have Linux. Linux is an example of open source that runs the world. Um, Linux is used by almost everything on an enterprise level and is becoming more popular on a commercial level, on a um, retail user level. It's open source is itself is also becoming more popular as these large corporations, some of whom actually argued against open source as a philosophy in the 70s, but as these large corporations start to buy open source platforms. I'm thinking of Microsoft buying GitHub. Uh, so that open philosophy that comes with open source expanded to open science, open data, open education, open... Oh, there's a bunch more. I don't know. There's tons of them now. Uh, and guess what? Open economics. So these blockchains, these currencies are the result of the technology that has enabled people to build their own economic networks whenever they want. Economic networks with an open source philosophy. So I can take Bitcoin, I can take the technology that enables that economic network to exist and learn from it, study the code, learn from it, experiment with it, change variables here or there, see what that does. Maybe I can make one that has greater economic principles or greater economic variables and is adopted more quickly. Uh, unlikely, but like the, the opportunity is there for anyone to experiment with economics because the technology that enables economic networks to exist is open source. And what's more, it's a technology. It's not a group of people enforcing their will because they are the people with power at the time the network started. So legacy system, a group of people started the network. They started the nation and they developed a currency to go along with it. And they often struggled to actually get a currency going. In the United States, for example, there was the, the the currencies during the war, there were the currencies after war, the Revolutionary War, there were the state currencies that then failed. Then eventually there was the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar was gold pegged. And then there was the silver crisis. And, and then it was no longer pegged to, to gold. And then who the hell knows what happens in the middle of the 1900s. And then we're released off the gold standard and we run into the fiat world, where it's just arbitrary value assigned arbitrarily that's what fiat stands for right so uh the the u.s dollar is now the reserve currency of the of the world meaning that a lot of other countries take out debt in u.s dollars and must pay that back in u.s dollars so if everyone is connected to the u.s dollar everyone else 
all other nations. So if something happens to the US dollar, the rest of the world's kind of screwed, right? So that's the legacy system. This new system is someone just put out code and it has the economic variables in it that define the network, how much money is printed, where that money goes, uh, and that's and the incentives that are built into that economic network. Um, and, and that's basically it. And anyone can go and change those and make their own currency. An example of this in the legacy system is the incentives uh, for the incentives is in the US, we're a Puritan-based country, right? The, the Puritans were the colonists, they came over and they were very work-oriented. And so our incentive structures are primarily based on work. And it's very difficult for people to get their head around a concept like UBI because you're giving people money and they're not working. That doesn't make sense. Where's the money come from? Where's the money come from anyway? So, so with these open economic networks, anyone can make a currency. And when you, can, when you have that happening, when you have a marketplace of currencies, you've created choice on an economic scale. Uh, it, that is pretty powerful. So when I live in the United States, I work in the United States. Everything I do here adds to the GDP of the U.S. I might not like what the U.S. represents or what they do with that GDP. Uh, and I might like what Canada does with their GDP and what Canada represents. But so long as I live in the U.S., I cannot contribute to Canada's network, their economic network, their GDP. With these, with this marketplace of currencies, I can choose which economic network I want to support. Maybe I want to support Bitcoin, whose primary value comes from securing a ledger of lots of money. And that's very valuable. The entire world runs on ledgers. We won't get into that. I might support... Uh, well, it's a different one. Sia coin or Storage or Chia. And these coins represent um, distributed data storage. So if I store data on my computer and let other people access those bits whenever they want, I will get incentivized from the protocol. I will get money for doing that. Uh, or I might choose Gridcoin, where the Gridcoin network incentivizes science. We, we value, that's it, science, scientific research, computational science, distributed computing, that sort of thing. Uh, but the point is, I get to choose. I could actually contribute to a thousand different economic networks if I want. Sometimes I contribute more to Gridcoin. Sometimes I'll contribute more to SIA. Sometimes I'll contribute more just to Bitcoin. Right? I get to choose, though. I'm not stuck in the economic network I'm born into. The theory is that with this choice, with this freedom of choice, um, people will be just more free and we'll have a more uh, equal society and we'll have a society that actually builds towards the, the will of the global society. Uh, we won't have a few people deciding what our incentives will be. We'll have thousands of people experimenting with incentives and different economic structures and the individual will have the choice of which network to choose and the network that is chosen by the most people is the one that we as a global society value the most at that specific point in time, but not forever. Maybe um, the network B will be valued more than network A 10 years down the road. Who knows? But it's a fluid system that doesn't depend on one network continuing to exist. Uh, and if that network fails, the entire system collapses. It's fluid. It's open source. Um, so 
that is what a multi-currency economy is. It's many currencies. It's, it's open source economics, open economic networks. So Gridcoin, as I already mentioned, is an ec economic network that values science. So how do we do that? So I mentioned that I could, with Sia coin or storage coin or any of these storage-based coins, I could allocate space on my hard drive, store data on it, and let anyone access that data, and I'll get currency for that, the, the native currency of that blockchain. Uh, so the way that works is similar to how a central bank works. Central bank is a few people running an entity, and they decide when to print money and where to distribute it. A protocol, when you're talking about blockchains, is essentially the same thing, except it's governed by the code that that blockchain operates from. So if the code says print 10 Bitcoin today, or print 10 Bitcoin every day, then the protocol will print 10 Bitcoin every day. And if the code says distribute five of those Bitcoin to Koshi, uh, who is a person here in the chat, <laughs> and, and it's... Uh, distribute the other five Bitcoin to Foxy, another person in the chat here, the protocol will do that with no human intervention. It will just mint the 10 Bitcoin and distribute them uh, where they're supposed to go based on the code. Uh, so with those storage-based protocols, uh, if I, if the protocol says for every 100 gig, if the protocol says we're going to mint 100 of the blockchain's native currency, let's use see a coin example, so the protocol means 100 Sia coin per day, and for every gigabyte I get one, I for every gigabyte I offer up to the network, I get one of those Sia coins. Uh, so if I offer up 10 gigabytes, I get 10 of those Sia coins every day. If someone else offers up 10, they get 10. And you can see there there are issues with that. So it gets much more complex. For example, like what if all 100 gigabytes are offered up? And so it gets more complex when you get into it. But that's the basic idea. So with Gridcoin. Uh, we can say if I do one science, I get one grid coin. And the way we translate science right now is through computation cycles contributed to the distributed computing platform called BOINC. BOINC stands for the Berkeley Open Infrastructure for Networked Computing. Uh, so if I contribute one computer cycle to a BOINC project, I get one grid coin. If I contribute 10 cycles, I get 10 grid coin. It's much more complex than that, but it's the basic principle. Gridcoin, the Gridcoin protocol prints a certain amount of Gridcoin per day and distributes it to people um, who are offering up their computer cycles to these science-based projects, uh, and it, it distributes them proportionally. So if I do more work, I get more Gridcoin. If I do less work, I get less Gridcoin. And there are very fascinating economics within there. And I guess I'll explain them right now because it's a good spot for it. <laughs> so. We have this thing that's called the approved list of Boink projects. And the reason we have this is because of the way Boink functions itself. Boink on its own without Gridcoin on top of it is a fascinating piece of technology. It's a permissionless distributed computing system that is also open source. So it enables scientists and researchers and anyone really, literally anyone, people, if you have a laptop and a set of data, you can hook up to Boink. It lets anyone with data, get computation to do stuff to the data, whatever they want to do, as long as it can be formatted for Boink's infrastructure, which a lot of things can be. So because of that, technically, someone could make a Boink project that like tries to hack passwords. 
that would suck if we incentivized a Boink project that tries to hack passwords. So we have this approved list where we, um, as a network, vote on which projects we're going to incentivize with the grid coin that the protocol mints every day. Uh, and there are, let's say, 20 uh, Boink projects on that list right now. Uh, and the way the economics works are, let's say there's, there's the 20 Boink projects and we mint um, 20 GRC a day. These are not the real numbers. But the, that means each of those 20 Boink projects will get one GRC to distribute to its crunchers, to, to the people contributing to that project. So if I'm running one of those 20 Boink projects uh, and there are 100 people running my project, I'm going to screw up this math, I apologize, but I think you'll understand. And so if I'm running one of the 20 Boink projects, so I get one GRC for my project, and there are 100 people contributing to that Boink project, that one GRC is then split among those 100 people based on the amount of their proportional contributions to that project. And all of that is done without human intervention. So there, me as the project admin, I don't actually get the one GRC. My project is assigned that GRC in the protocol, and that one GRC is automatically split up among the participants, the crunchers of my Boink project. No person needs to touch anything. It's run by code, technology, open economic network, right? So what that does is creates a sort of um, even distribution of computation cycles across all the approved Boink projects. It does this because if I'm if my Boink project that is on the approved list has no one crunching it, and there's another Boink project that has 100 people crunching it, uh, and we both get one GRC for our project to be distributed among our crunchers, a, a third person will be incentivized to join my project because they have the opportunity to claim that whole GRC for themselves. Uh, so they'll do that. And many people will do that until there's sort of a, a reasonable balance between the two projects, 50 people crunching each project, because then one GRC is split among those 50 people. It's a little more complex than that, but that's basically how it works. Uh, that's an interesting thing. So that means no one can capitalize our processing power, the Gridcoin network's processing power. Uh, no matter what, if you get your Boink project onto the approved list of Boink projects in the Gridcoin network, you are basically guaranteed one over N the, of the crunching power um, that the Gridcoin network has to offer, N being the number of projects on the approved list. That's, in, that's pretty cool. What this also does, so what that does on a grander scale is you have NSF, great organization, choose, and they choose what to to what science is worthy from their eyes. And then you have uh, little old me at home with a set of data that I want to experiment with and learn about. We are equals in the protocol. If we're both on the approved list, the NSF project and little old me with my laptop is uh, going to we're, we're both getting equal amounts of computation power. NSF doesn't kick me out of the scientific system. That's an interesting thing. So right there, it opens the scientific system up to other people. I don't need to jump through all these hoops to get my research done. I don't need to spend 30 years in a career just to get noticed by NSF or some other board somewhere, of some board of four people who are experts in their field, sure. but. Why do I need to stand in front of them to get computation cycles? Why can't I just join this permissionless system, 
that uh, which is boink, and then get hooked into this incentivization model, this open economic network, which is Gridcoin, and get my research done. Uh, that is one of the problems that this whitelist, uh, this approved list solves. There is another interesting effect of this approved list, and that has to do with science communication. So Gridcoin, our network, has a lot of processing power behind it. So projects, a Boink project wants to get into the Gridcoin network. They want to become an approved project. Uh, the way they do that is um, they essentially ask to be whitelisted. They ask to get on the approved list. And uh, the network, the Gridcoin network, then votes on whether or not we, as the network, want to accept that project into the, into the approved list. And once it's on the approved list, it will be incentivized with GRC. So we, as network participants, are only going to approve projects that align with our value set, the Gridcoin value set. And as I already mentioned, our economic network's values has to do with science uh, and math and, and science-related fields, right? So we're going to ask the Boink project, hey, what's your science about? What are you trying to do? Explain it to me, some random kid who's not even like out of high school barely understand science. It's not science literate at all. I'm studying English. Like, explain your science to me. And if you can explain it well enough, and I think it's it's valuable, I'll vote to approve your project. So at the same time, I'm also going to go out and learn about the science they're doing. Once I see a couple vocab words, I'll go look it up on Wikipedia on this great thing, the internet, where there's lots of knowledge. Uh, <laughs> so the um, I have, as a network participant, I'm incentivized to learn about science. I'm incentivized to participate and educate myself. Because if I end up approving, if we as the network approve the Boink project that tries to hack passwords, who's going to touch Gridcoin? No one's going to touch Gridcoin. GRC will become worthless. I have no incentive to accept. I'm actually disincentivized from accepting trash projects. But if I accept a great project that ends up finding the 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 key unlocking the key to the spike protein on the coronavirus gridcoin is now worth something on a value level forget about price people combine the two and they shouldn't be combined but uh, as a value our network just helped solve covid that's valuable uh so i'm incentivized to learn about science participate in the science and approve good science the project equally is incentivized to teach me about the science and to get me to participate in their project. They want me there. So they either have to learn how to communicate their science and communicate it or hire a science communicator who will then communicate their science. Whichever path they choose, there, there's education happening on both layers or from both directions because of the incentive structures we've built in our network. So this all goes back to the open economic network concept. We were given this this code that was Bitcoin that said, here is incentive structures built into technology. What are you going to do with it? And the people who built Gridcoin said, well, we're going to build a system that makes the everyday person capable of understanding and participating in science and in fact, doing the science themselves. And the, the thought there is that uh, we're going to get rid of anti-vaxxers <laughs> when it boils down to it. When you have an engaged populace, it doesn't matter what they're engaged in, they're going to trust the thing more. 
So if they're engaged in science, they'll trust scientists and the science themselves. Right now, in the, wor- the way the world works right now, it makes perfect sense why people do not trust scientists or don't trust vaccines because they're run, you know, like Bill Gates does have, a, he's not microchipping people, but he does have a global monopoly on vaccines. So like he doesn't have any incentive to teach us about vaccines and how it works. He just wants to get out there and put shots in arms because frankly, it makes him money, notoriety. He likes it. So let's let's let people into the system so they understand how it works and even get to participate in making the product that saves lives. So that's only one of the things we're doing with our incentives. Another thing we're doing is, it, or another result of our incentives is just the way the protocol distributes GRC. So if we distribute, if the network distributes GRC to people who are contributing computer cycles to uh, Boink, to scientific projects, what are we doing to people who don't care about science but only care about money? We're making them do science. In order to get the money that you so desire, you greedy bastard, you must do science. Science is the one thing that helps everyone in the world at the same time. So in order to become rich, you're going to have to help everyone else. That's wonderful. Instead of, the, the, I mean, the current system is pretty obvious, but in order to become rich, you have to help yourself and only yourself. Uh, rugged individualism sort of concept. So all we did was tweak a little incentive structure and, and, and tweak the distribution mechanism of how a currency works. And we've created science education at a, an incentive level and science completion, science participation at an incentive level. That. Uh, that's the reason I contribute to Gridcoin, frankly. It blows my mind. And we can do so much more, too. So we can build into the technology these things called smart contracts. And a smart contract is exactly like a smartphone. A smartphone is a phone that has some really fancy software backing it up. Uh, so a smart contract is a contract, you know, a paper thing that you sign with a pen that has some very fancy software backing it up. So we can build contracts around funding science itself. We can build contracts around accreditation. So you don't need to go to the university. If you're actually good at what you do, you're an expert. You know, a, an expert roofer doesn't go to roofing school. They, get, they learn how to roof through one way or another. And then people say, oh, this guy is really good at what he does. Uh, that's, he's an expert. Uh, th- same thing. We can do that to science. And that sometimes turns people off because they're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need experts to say who the experts are because, you know, science is scary. The first experts in science had no one to say they were experts. And they were actually not experts. They were wrong <laughs> all the time. The first scientists were just really smart people with a lot of money. Well, they had a lot of money, so they were able to read and not work. So they became smart. And they started the 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 universities and it formed this bubble which is perfectly fine it was the way it had to work at the time uh and but no one was an expert calling them experts they just use access to knowledge that they had to become educated in a field we now the whole premise here is that there's now knowledge that's more accessible to more people so why can't we take that same principle that actually started the scientific revolution and do it again um and at the same time we can say that uh, someone in the network who is a proven geologist is going to have more of a voice behind who's an expert geologist 
than someone who is a biologist, right? The biologist might be able to assess the scientific method and the 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 um, quality of the paper that's written, but the geologist, is, so that biologist does have a voice, but the geologist is going to be able to, you know, they have the knowledge, the the specific knowledge of the geology, they have the vocab, they have the language there, so they'll be able to say a little more about it, have more weight behind it. Um, the I read a line in the chat and it distracted me because you guys are hilarious. Um, that I think other things we can do. I mentioned publishing papers. So a blockchain, this ledger that that creates this GRC currency. There's a lot of complexity behind it, but at a basic level, one of the basic aspects of it is it's a ledger of data. So tie the words data with science. How much data is there in the world of science? There's a, sh a shit ton if you'll excuse the language. So if we have this digital ledger of data and we can put any data in it and the data on this ledger is accessible to everyone uh, and can be used to create interesting contracts, what sort of scientific data could we put on this ledger? Peer-reviewed articles and these peer-reviewed articles can talk to each other, can be used to assign reputation to different scientists, similar to an impact factor, uh, except it, the, the impact factor equivalent in a blockchain network ideally will have nothing to do with the quantity of your publishes, but everything to do on the quality of your publishes. Uh, and it's something you can do in this sort of system that's a little more open. Uh, so we can put the the published articles. We can incentivize people to peer review articles. We can really this is where the scientist has to come in and say what can we make better in the scientific system, uh, and they have to come in to a community that is building this stuff and uh, experimenting with it and saying hey can you do this for me, and the people who build this stuff uh, are very smart and they'll say yes this is possible. We can do it right now. I'll have it done in a week where they'll say, yes, this is possible, but this is a pretty big challenge. We're going to have to invent some new or innovate some new technology, innovate on technology. I don't know. And we can probably have this done in a year or two or no, this isn't possible right now, but this is a brilliant idea and it will probably be possible in five or 10 years at the rate that this technology is being developed. So that's what we as Gridcoin need. We need scientists who have been part of the system for 30, 40, 50 years to come in to the blockchain world. That is just the blockchain world in itself is just working to digitize everything. It's a digital revolution at its core. And and say what they hated about their experience, what they in the scientific world, what they wish was different and how it would have been how, how they would have liked to see it uh, work when they were in there. And if they say that to the people who are, if they just share their experience with the people who are developing this stuff and maybe give a suggestion or an idea about how they would have liked to see it work, the people who are developing it will be able to take the things that are actually translatable into a digital world and build it and make that future for the rest of the world uh, for decades and centuries to come. Honestly, this stuff is going to last for a very long time. Um, and if that exists, and that's going to happen, uh, but the way it happens is still up in the air. It's either going to be a big company that just does it all, and they get to say how they want the next, the digital system of science, the decentralized system of science to operate, 
or it's going to be up to the commons, which is just everyone here, everyone who wants to build a better future, having vigorous debates with one another, uh, and then deciding what way to experiment, really. So it's all in the, the spirit of experimentation and implementation. Um, that's that. So that's what the multi-currency economy is. That's what Gridcoin is. Again, very basic levels. This stuff is very complex. Uh, there's a reason that it's, uh, no one just took to it right away. <laughs> it's taken 10 years to even start to get mainstream adoption because it's very difficult to understand. It doesn't sound right when you first hear it, but the, neither does cash. Like the current system, fiat does not make sense. Bitcoin makes more sense than fiat. And Gridcoin is one of the experiments that has spun off of Bitcoin um, that just puts economic principles, incentive concepts into code and then ties it to science. And the, the hope is that this experiment will succeed. Oh, here's a good one for this discussion. So uh, nobody in the chat is asking, can one economic network have multiple currencies or vice versa? Are they one to one? A single economic network can have an infinite number of currencies. We could, this is, we've had this discussion years ago. I don't know uh, who's part of it really, but we can have different currencies in a blockchain that are distributed in different ways. So one of the currencies could be distributed to people who contribute to distributed computing projects on Boinks. Other could be distributed to people who do peer review, peer review articles. Others could be distributed to whatever we want. When it comes to being a native currency, um, I'm not entirely sure how that would work because the whole concept of a native currency to a blockchain is that, and this is where root value comes into these networks. Uh, and I'll introduce this concept by talking about the current system. In the current system, the US dollar is valuable because it is the thing I must pay the US government for to absolve my debt. I have to pay taxes in it. It's the only currency they accept for taxes. and most importantly, again, it's what the banks will accept for repayment of debt that I took out in U.S. dollars. So it could be said then that the the um, economic network of the United States is a is the blockchain in this analogy, and the U.S. dollar is its native currency. And in order to interact with the U.S. economic blockchain, I must use U.S. dollars. Uh, so following that analogy. Gridcoin is a blockchain with data on it. And in order to interact with that data, with that blockchain, with that economic network, I must use Gridcoin. And there are technical reasons for this, but also economic reasons for it. You just have to take my word for it at this point, because that's a whole other discussion on why there are transaction fees and stuff like that. Uh, but in order to interact with Gridcoin, you must use that the, to the, the currency that is native to that blockchain, which in our situation is gridcoin in order to interact with the blockchain ledger you must use bitcoin uh i don't know if a system could be built actually where in order to interact with gridcoin you can use like bitcoin uh like directly i'm sure there are atomic swap solutions to that i have no idea um but we can build multiple currencies that are distributed in different ways uh even if gridcoin itself is the only one that can interact with the blockchain. <laughs> Rajan brings up a great point, and it's a joke, but it's like, this is how you can tell someone's an expert. He says, how can you tell a roofer is an expert? His skin is basically one big sunburnt freckle. Perfect. <laughs>
It's not because they have a piece of paper from roofing school. It's because there's evidence that they've done this a lot. And the reason they keep doing it is because people keep hiring them. And the reason people keep hiring them is because they're good at it. They get good references. <laughs> All right. So that is the full introduction to uh, the multi-currency economy, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and a little bit about open economic networks. There's definitely more to it. I encourage you to join a cryptocurrency community. Uh, anyone will get you going. Gridcoin just happens to be a great one because we're a bunch of uh, science nerds, so we enjoy uh, having Socrates-style debates. So Rajan says we're the best. Amen. So yeah, get involved. See what it's all about. Read some stuff. If you want to hear someone talk about um, Bitcoin principles, blockchain principles, at uh, and and be very good at it, I would recommend looking up uh, this guy Andreas Antonopoulos and look up his videos from like 2013, 14, 15, and 16. Afterwards, it became a little hypey because of the bubbles that form in this market because of adoption. Um, he didn't become hypey, but like the questions he was asked to answer became hypey. Uh, he is brilliant and he's a great communicator. Andreas Antonopoulos. That said, we'll see you here next week, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the Gridcoin Discord server. And we'll be talking about something fun, I'm sure. Have a great weekend, everyone.